Sephora stores are everywhere you are. So just pop in when you need a brown lip to match your 90s playlist, a confidence boost before your interview, or a last-minute gift for mom's birthday. There's always a Sephora near you. Just pop in. Use our store locator to find your local Sephora or Sephora at Kohl's. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello, everyone. After a run of cricket podcasts, we are back to the races today. Cheltenham races on our road to Cheltenham with Emily Johnson, the resident artist at Cheltenham Racecourse. Hello, Emily. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks very much for joining me. I'm looking forward to this. Um, I always like to get variety on the, on the podcast. Now, I had a sporting photographer in Tom Shaw, and now I've got an equine artist. Uh, this must be a dream job working at Cheltenham Racecourse. It's it's a complete dream. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things that you think I've, I've said it for years. I've said, oh, I'd like to be artist in residence at Cheltenham. But, you know, when you you kind of don't you're kind of saying it a bit tongue in cheek, like, <laughs> but now I am. So, yeah, no, I'm completely like amazed every time I go there. I think, how did I manage this? <laughs> well, how did you manage it? How did the job come about? Um, Basically, um. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think I was a bit of a pleasant pest. Um, that was a technique that my that my mum taught me. Um, so yeah, I just kind of kept kept on at them. I noticed they didn't have one. Um, some race courses, there are a few race courses that have artists in residence, and they didn't have one. I didn't think they had one, so I just kind of um, kept emailing them um and trying to convince them it was a good idea and then once I kind of managed to speak to the right person then it was like oh yeah yeah great idea so I was like oh amazing yeah so really you were first at Cheltenham Racecourse well no I think there was one about 10 years ago or maybe 12 years ago and I think he was there just before Ian Renton came there was an overlap he was already there and then he said it just kind of fizzled out and then just no one no one stepped in and that was that really. So, so yeah, so someone's done it before, but I don't think anyone can really remember that. I don't know. So what, what a backdrop to, to be working. Oh, it's stunning. Yeah, it's stunning. The buildings are amazing. The horses are amazing. Um, the landscape all behind the race course. It's just it's just beautiful. Yeah. And are you only based there on race days? 
I can go there. I can go there whenever I want. Um, I just have to kind of let them know that I'm going to be there. So I am planning to kind of do some things, kind of see if I can get, I was thinking the other day, it'd be good to go in like the trophy room and do like maybe a painting of the trophy. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've got so many ideas, but yeah, that would be good, obviously on a non-racing day. Um, and just kind of, yeah, I'm just trying to get behind the scenes. Um, and yeah, but then I'm there, I've kind of committed to every race day, um, for the next couple of years. So, um, which is great. So get to see it all be there. And you started in October. So you've, you've settled in now. Yeah. Just settling in, but every meet is different. Every time I kind of think, oh, I know what I'm doing for this meet. Um, then I kind of think, oh no, no, I don't like, um, so I, I feel like I've been to most meets as a kind of customer, but you're not thinking of it with a kind of a business hat on or an art hat on. So, um, yeah, I kind of, um, I feel like I'm so glad that I'm there for the, for the two years at the moment, it's for kind of the next couple of years. So uh, I think, oh, like uh, next year, I'll, I'll be there for that meeting or, or next year, you know, you see good spots and you think, oh, I wish I was there. <laughs> but and it's such a big place. Like it's, it's so big. I feel like you couldn't, you know, you can't do it all in a day. You've got to, you've got to, I kind of pick my spot and hopefully I kind of get some action, but obviously it's weather dependent as well. So sometimes I have to find somewhere indoors um so yeah so I'm, I feel like I'm still finding my feet it's such a big place yeah so so far you've had race meetings in October November you had half of December and you've had New Year's Day so where where are you positioned when you're when you're on race day well they they've just they're so flexible they well they kind of just let me do what I want which sometimes like which obviously is amazing um, but I have to think of all the ideas, you know, sometimes it's easier just to be told where, where you're going to be put. Um, but no, they kind of, they say, oh, where do you want to go this time? And so I have to think. And, um, so yeah, I've been the first, sometimes I've just wandered around with my sketchbook, um, like kind of trying to sketch on the go, which I quite like doing with my camera, collecting photos. That's good, but kind of weather dependent as well. I kind of can't do that in the rain, but, um, I've been where I the, the best day was which meet was it November um my favorite I managed to get the easel in the paddock well just outside the way room there and it was kind of a, a quietish area where I wasn't in the way but I could just see everything I had all the action it was like the horses were being paraded for me <laughs> so it was just so good and the sun was shining that was just a real like I thought I've got to take this in this was a real high point of my career so yeah, amazing. So with oil painting, you've got to be very dependent on the weather, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Oil and water don't mix, so um, you shouldn't be getting it wet. Um, and also, the other thing that's kind of worse than the rain is um, obviously when you set up a big canvas on an easel, it's like a sail. So like you've got to be careful with the wind. Because <laughs> obviously I can't have that. Like it's so important. I'm always like. I mustn't upset the horses, you know, and imagine if it blew over or something just at like a critical moment. So I'm always kind of trying to be on best behaviour, preempting these things. But Do you get to mix with, with the general public when you're there? Yeah, I try to. It's just, um, it's just trying to find a spot, obviously, like, um, yeah, I'm just, I am quite like, I'm probably too careful, like, trying not to like upset the race course even though they don't seem to mind too much what I do but obviously like there's health and safety and being in the way being in the way of fire exits and things like that so but I think um everyone's 
the longer I've been there, I think the more relaxed everyone's getting with just kind of that I'm not going to get in the way. So, yeah, no, I like to mix with the public, um, show them what I'm doing, and then I get some feedback and um, they tell me what they think or which horse they think it is or, oh, you should do this horse or that horse. So, yeah, no, I, I love having a chat with them and hearing their stories. And some of the work you've been doing on race days, is that now being displayed at the race course for members? Um, it's not being displayed yet, um, but there's lots of ideas kind of being banded around. Um, it's a big place, so I'm hoping they they will be able to kind of we'll be able to do an exhibition at some point of kind of maybe the year's work or maybe the beginning of next year. Because I, I I was thinking I I've collected a lot of photos and a lot of I've done a lot of sketching and things like that and they would make great paintings. So I I feel like over the summer would be a good time for me to kind of catch up and actually follow through with some of the ideas I've had. So I, maybe the new racing year would be like a good time to do something like that. Um, I'll have to yeah, you give me an idea. I'll write that down. <laughs> oh, I'm always thinking of ideas as we said off air. I'd like to go back, though, to your beginnings in art. Um, have you always been someone that's sketching, drawing as a child? As a child, yeah, I loved um, drawing. Um, I desperately wanted I, I grew up in a town, a seaside town in Eastbourne, East Sussex. And um, I was, yeah, we were in a big townhouse. And all I wanted was to be outside with animals. But we had no outdoors. We had no... Um, we just had a little courtyard garden thing, which wasn't very nice. So yeah, I was just, I, I did feel a bit trapped indoors all the time. And both my parents were self-employed, like with their own businesses. So I just had to be quiet. So I just used to sit and draw and draw animals. And that was kind of my, my escapism, I suppose. Yeah. Where did that come from? Because you're not in a, in a horsey animal type area, are you? No, I don't know. I just, I, I've just always been obsessed with them and maybe it was because I didn't have access to them. I was like fascinated by them. Um, but I think it's just naturally in me, I suppose that I, yeah, I wanted a dog. Um, yeah, I wanted a horse, but yeah, I didn't start riding until I was, um, 12. So a bit late in the horse world because often people are being put on horses when they're kind of teeny tiny, but yes. And then I just had the bug. So, yeah. So I guess, uh, art was your, favorite subject at school yeah it was my favorite subject but I've always been I've I've always loved the sciences as well so yeah biology in particular and understanding how like humans and animals work inside so I I kind of I was I did the art and I enjoyed doing that that was kind of my enjoyment thing but I always thought that I had to kind of follow an academic route um so I kind of then lent on the sciences and thought, well, do I want to be a vet or something like that? Go down that route. Um, but then I didn't kind of I didn't I wasn't studious enough <laughs> to be a vet. Whether I could have done it, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, so I kind of I was just kind of in this grey area, really. Um, and so then when it came to um, choosing. So I'd done college. I'd done my A-levels. I didn't do art. Um, because I thought I had to do something academic. So I kind of did the sciences. And so then I had my horse at this point. I bought her when I was about 15. So I thought, well, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to keep my horse. I love horses. So I found um, at Hartbury University in Gloucestershire, 
I found the equine science degree and I thought, oh, well, that's perfect. I can learn about horses. I can take my horse. I don't have to get rid of her. Um, I can learn all the science, you know. Um, so I did all the veterinary modules. I loved all that. But yeah, I completely, um, I, I didn't do art for a, few, a good few years. I kind of put that on the back burner and kind of forgot about it. I can't believe that a professional equine artist hasn't got an A-level in art. No. Well, it just goes to show, though, I just think you don't, you know, like people, I, I feel sorry for teenagers. They they get so caught up in like, you need to know what you want to do. And I just think, no, you don't. Just do like I, my advice to kind of teenagers now is just do the subjects you love, like do what you're kind of um, drawn to. And, and, you know, don't worry about it. Like so many people change their careers all throughout their life. It's not, um, it's not a big thing. And you did an equine science degree at, where did you go to university? Uh, so it was Hartbury, which is in Gloucestershire, Hartbury University. Yeah. And that was, that was really good. Yeah. But then, but then I read you went into farming. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of done it. Yeah. Done it all really. So I, I I was so when I came out of um university, I like loved learning about all the kind of veterinary science about horses. I loved like all the anatomy and physiology, but I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. And obviously I couldn't be a vet. That was kind of the thing I thought, oh, I wish I'd been a vet. Um, but you're not qualified to be a vet. So that's that. So I was kind of and then I thought, oh, shall I work on a yard? I went and worked on a yard, but I found I'd like ride out horses that was on an eventing yard I'd ride out the horses all morning and then um and work with them all day and then the last thing I wanted to do when I came home in the evening was anything to do with my horse so it kind of ruined having my horse for me um so then I thought oh I don't know about that so then I got a job on a farm and I absolutely loved that so I worked with animals all day and I got I, I really got into the veterinary side I kind of just like you know loved looking after them making them well and and um and then I'd come home in the evening or well come home in the daytime and I'd ride my horse and I'd love doing that too so I kind of I I love I loved that job yeah I did that for five years but you while you were working on a farm you were still drawing and sketching yeah so that's when I kind of picked that back up again yeah I I started sketching just as like uh, I needed a present for someone so I thought oh well I used to be able to draw I'd kind of always thought oh I'd love to draw again so I thought well right, I'll, I'll have a go and I like when I finished this drawing of this um this dog I was I was surprised I was like oh my god that's quite good oh that is quite good so I anyway I took it I wrapped it up put it in a frame wrapped it up gave it to her she opened it and she started crying and I thought oh well that was she thinks it's good too so and then it was at a barbecue. So then about three people at the barbecue said, oh, would you do mine? Would you do mine? Would you do one for me? So I just started doing it on the side of working on the farm. Um, yeah. And the, every time I did one, I'd kind of get another one back. So it just kept going. And then it just got to the point after uh, a few, a couple of years, it got to the point where I was kind of building it and building it. And it got to the point where I could, I was going to have to start turning people away. Um, and saying no, I can't do your artwork, and and the farm kind of was was too much. Um, I'd kind of worked my way up in the farm as well, so I couldn't I couldn't relieve uh, any responsibilities there. So it was kind of then one Christmas, I just said, okay, well, I think I better leave then. 
so yeah so I left the farm and I yeah I was gutted about that but actually I still pick up shifts there every now and again so I just go and see the animals and help them out a bit and of course all this voluntary uh, sketching drawing painting you weren't getting paid for any of this work were you uh I started I did start taking little bits and pieces um but it wasn't very much it was just kind of enough um yeah yeah I was just taking a kind of small amount and then I just slowly put the price up and up and up and then had my Facebook page to start off with and and it just started growing yeah so so you're self-taught as a as an artist yeah to start off with I was self-taught um just doing drawings because that's you know what you've got what everyone's got a pencil haven't they so um, that's just what I was I was doing and you know if I needed some help I'd look on YouTube or find books and things um, but then one day with the I decided I, I want to oil paint that's that's what I want to do so I did actually at that time I, st- I said right I'm not taking any more commissions I'm having a break from commissions and for about um, two years I just went to Cheltenham School of Fine Art and I had lessons um, in oil painting like taking me to the next level, understanding kind of colour theory and all the kind of gaps in my knowledge that needed filling. And there was someone there that I could ask questions to, even like business questions and things about being an artist. And so that just really helped take things up to the next level. And taking a break from the commissions, it just took the pressure off that, you know, I could experiment with my art and um, not have to worry about the outcome. So It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And I read that one of your heroes, we are going back here, it, actually, someone not someone I know personally well, but someone through when I worked at the National Horse Race Museum was was George Stubbs, the eighteenth oh, century um, painter. Yeah, so he was. Um, yeah, I've always kind of been drawn to his paintings. I think a lot of people that when I was like before, I kind of knew a lot about art, and before I knew a lot about you know horses and art and. Um, he's the kind of name that a lot of people know. George Stubbs, oh, paints horses. They kind of, a lot of people know him. So he was the first one I kind of came across and I idolised. I just thought, oh my God, they're so, and they are so good. I love like their faces, their expression. They have, they, and um, and he's actually like, the more you look into him, he's obsessed with anatomy and physiology. And I don't know if you've ever been to any of his exhibitions, like he um he used to dissect horses dead horses hang them up and like study all the anatomy because they didn't know as much in those days so he was really exploring and finding out how they worked and that's why his paintings are so anatomically correct so yeah, yeah. So the more I learn about him the more I liked him yeah and um so I did manage to just before the first um COVID I managed to get to one of his exhibitions and I saw um Whistle Jacket the big massive rearing horse and so that was really amazing um next one I want to go and see is Munnings so I've really got into him lately yeah there's a lot of work of George Stubbs at the National Horse Race Museum where there's sketches from his anatomy of a horse of 1766 and he's so meticulous in the the actual drawings yeah 
yeah I think that's what I relate to because naturally I'm very um um I don't like to use the word of perfectionist but um you know like really I I really want every detail to be perfect and I think with the commissions that's what people see in my work is that's why it looks like their horse you know it's not just a horse I've like noticed the differences like oh he's got a smaller muzzle or he's got you know the the ear length or things like that that they're, they're the the subtle differences that I pick up on that um that makes it theirs I suppose like the human face you know it's just subtle things that make us all look different is that why you like painting horses because they are all different they're all different characters yeah and um I think that's why I really push to to meet the horses that I paint because um I really feel like I know them after I've done a session um getting to know them I meet the owner and we normally have a little chat we go down and we chat while we're stood next to the horse and like it's just interesting I'm trying to have a conversation with the owner and the horse is either you know like trying to grab their coat or it's trying to you know do something or whether it's kind of not interested you know the owner's trying to stroke the horse and the horse is like no I don't want to be touched you know like you really get you really get the personality just while you're having a chat then they get the horse out I do some sketches and it's just interesting watching the owner and the horse interact whether the horse wants to stand still and it goes to sleep or whether it's kind of you know looking constantly looking around um so I just I gain so much from that experience and then um and then I take a few photos and I I do the bulk of the work then at home but it's just I find it really makes the difference if I've been at the yard and met the horse yeah good photographs must must help a lot yeah yeah so um that is another passion of mine is photography so in one of my when I didn't know what I wanted to do I I did have a go at being a photographer so um and I got quite good so that that's you know, everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? So um, at the time, like when I did my equine science degree and then I went into farming, I thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that. What a lot of money, you know, that I wasted. And now I'm working on a farm. And then, the, you know, the same with the photography. Like I got really into the photography and then you think, oh, well, I'm not going to be a photographer now. I'm going to work on a farm, you know, like that type of thing. But now I it's all paying off because I've got the photography skills I know all the anatomy so I just think every you know everything happens for a reason doesn't it that's something that uh, George Stubbs never had though photos it makes his work even more miraculous really oh yeah I don't know how they did it I'd love to step back in time and just kind of um, learn some of the the how they did it I just I just don't know it astounds me um I don't know don't know whether you'd want to go back into his shed because didn't he dissect horses to produce his anatomy anatomy of the horse uh, over an 18 month period well we actually at Hartbury College we did a lot of dissections uh, you didn't want to hear that did you <laughs> but no no Zim, you know so I find that interesting so yeah I think um once you've got the the skin off it's not so bad <laughs> and that's not for the squeamish on this podcast is it um, no. I know it's on on your website. I'll, I'll get it in now. It's emilyjohnsonfineart.co.uk. You've also got a painting of a of a horse with a jockey on, a filly called Fifinella, who won the 1916 Oaks and Derby, the last filly to win the Derby. Why did you paint Fifinella? Yeah, sadly, I didn't get to meet that horse or the jockey. <laughs> um, 
So, no, that was a really interesting one. Basically, it was um, a commission. It was a commission piece and it was um, a relative of Joe Childs, like a great, great grandchild of Joe Childs. Um, It was their family and they'd got um, an interesting idea. They wanted to um, build these lodges in their garden, like to rent out Scandinavian beautiful lodges. And they wanted to name, they had racing in the family and they thought, well, we'll name each lodge after a a racehorse. Um, And so the first one they decided to do was Fifth Vanilla. And so then I think they were looking into the history and they thought, oh, it'd be lovely. We want a nice big painting to go in this in this lodge. So um, so that's how it it came about. They just kind of asked me what I thought. And I think um, it's kind of every artist's worst nightmare when someone says, oh, can you do a painting for me? And then they produce like a terrible photo um that's like everyone's just like no like that you know it's not going to work and normally I kind of insist that I have to meet the horse to get the character and everything and um so he gave me this cigarette card well it was a scan of a cigarette card so it was tiny tiny little picture and I just thought oh oh, I thought oh I don't know about this but once I started looking into it I said well I'll look into it I thought it was a really interesting project and I love like kind of looking into the backstory of things and learning about, you know, things that I don't know about. So I started looking into this horse and looking for photos and I felt like a kind of um, private investigator or something. So I was going trawling the Internet and then there's um, a lot of enthusiasts out there that will help you on kind of Facebook groups and things. So and um, and yeah, so in the end, I said, look, it, it's not going to be it's not going to be like a photograph your your piece but we'll we'll just see what happens um and so I kind of did this kind of modern version of of the cigarette card painting and and it turned out really cool yeah so I think um when they have the next lodge I think they're keen for me to do the next one as well now it'll be interesting to see who the next horse is it it made me think more about another artist you mentioned earlier which is Alfred Munnings and when you did that Fifinella he used to do lots of like pre-sketches before the final final painting is that how you did it as well um yeah so often I do a kind of few little studies on on scrap bits of canvas and things um just to kind of see what I think it's going to look like and you know before you commit a lot of time you've got to kind of it's a bit late in the process if you're kind of 50 hours in and you think oh I'm not sure about the position of this horse or something you know so you've got to do little miniature studies to kind of just get everything um right um yeah, so so yeah, that is something that I did. Yeah, because Munnings was very famous for painting the the starts of races. You ought to get down to the start at Cheltenham Racecourse. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, yeah, get down to the start. Yeah, I'm desperate to get to the Munnings Museum. You can go and visit his house, can't you? You can. Have you, yeah. Have yeah. you been there? No, I haven't. No, you could. It's. I think it's closed in the winter time it opens again sort of like easter time i think yeah so that's another at dedham, dedham yeah but uh looking ahead it's the festival the four-day meeting at cheltenham on the 14th the 15th the 16th and the 17th of march how much are you looking forward to that yeah no i'm really excited i haven't i've been to the festival um probably two or three times before as a as a customer but yeah, I haven't been there for quite a few years, what with COVID. And then last year I had an exhibition on in Cheltenham Town Centre. And so I was there 
And I was kind of there meeting and greeting people in Cheltenham. So I couldn't go to the festival again last year. So um, I'll be ex- I'll be excited to go again and just kind of meet people. And um, but yeah, it'll be definitely looking at it from a different angle and just kind of um, I'll make sure I take my camera with me and see what moments I can kind of capture and and what kind of paintings come from it. I don't know. Have you got anything special planned for the four days? Um, so it's, uh, not particularly, no, I'm just kind of, I, I kind of take each day as I, I find it. I try and plan, um, where I'm going to be roughly like the kind of meet before. So when I go, there's one at the end of January, I need to kind of, um, plan my spots, but I might go up towards the owners and trainers, spend some time there. Um, cause obviously it's lovely. It's really lovely spending time with the owners, you know, how excited they are to watch their horses run and things. I really want to kind of capture some of that. Um, But I want to spend some time with the public as well and like um, do some demonstrating. Um, So, yeah, it's just it's just finding it, finding a good location for your. But yeah, I think it'll be it'll be so it's quite busy, isn't it? So um, so it's just picking your spot well where you're not kind of in somewhere that you know, it's too busy because I picked some lovely spots. I, I picked this one spot on a balcony and I thought, God, this is lovely. I'm looking over the entire race course. It's lovely. And it's not too busy here. And of course, every time a race started, like you think it's not busy and then everyone flooded over to, you know, and they're all like rammed up behind me. And I thought, oh my God, like, and I'm right in the way. I felt like self-conscious that I'm in the way. So yeah. So it's interesting. You think, you've picked a good spot or something and then all of a sudden like the second the race is on it completely changes like where people go um so yeah it's really interesting yeah because however many people there's been there at the meetings you've been already there's going to be even more there on those four days yeah yeah exactly yeah so no it's very exciting yeah and I'm I kind of people keep saying oh people say oh you're going to be in the shopping village and I did spend one meet in the shopping village and that was um uh lovely like I enjoyed it obviously lovely heated it's a lovely environment to be in to have like a stand and show off my work and kind of paint and demo but I can't go off and like you don't get much atmosphere in there because obviously and and it was interesting because it just clears out every time there's a race on everyone disappears and then I'm at the the plastic trying to look at the big screen through the through the plastic tent so yeah so that you know I kind of think it would be you know it's not you're not getting the atmosphere in there so I'm I'm I feel very lucky that I can just kind of um I can take the course as I find it and go where I want and if I decide that I think there's a better location I'll just move on I've got um, an armband now as well that says um official artist in residence that makes me quite clear that I stand out um so I found that quite helpful people don't because people were kind of looking at me like what's she doing with like her camera and a sketchbook and you know I could see people looking at me and wondering who I was um so I thought oh, I need something so that people know what I am so yeah I've got that now so look out for a big white armband well the members must know you by now so they'll, they'll all know I think people you. are yeah, people are starting to get to know me, like the regulars. Um, they come up and they say, oh, what are you working on today? Um, yeah, and come and have a look. And sometimes I've got my sketchbook and I'm like, oh, look, I've done one of you already. And they're like, oh, that's weird. And what, what's the plans for the future? More exhibitions? Um, yeah, so the future. Um, I mean, I'm loving doing residencies, exhibitions. I've got a friend actually in Spain 
Um, and I'm, I've been meaning to get out to her and she's got a lot of Spanish horses. I'd love to go and see those and kind of learn about that's just a completely different way of life, isn't it? And, and a way of training horses. So it's just um, that will be very interesting. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to get over to Newmarket this year. Um, I'm teaching. So I did my first course. It was just a one day course um, last summer. And so this year it's a two day course. Um, so that's exciting. And I definitely see in the future, I want to kind of build up the teaching and do longer courses and teach people to paint and draw horses um, and just give people so many people come up to me. They say, I can't draw. And I just think, I bet you can. I bet I could teach you like people just think they can't. And I think if you can write your own name, I reckon I can teach you. So anyway, we'll see. So, yeah, teaching. I'd love to do a bit more of that. Well, most of us can only sort of paint stick men. And I, I, well, I can't believe that anyone can teach me how to, to paint or draw. Yeah, no, it's definitely something. Um, and it's therapeutic as well. And I think, um, you know, like when people people go and play, say, if you go and play squash on the weekends or something like you don't need to, you know, you're never expecting to be like Olympic standard, you know, like so. So you don't need to like you know be painting at a really high level you're just doing it for pleasure so I don't know I think everyone should um yeah do a bit more drawing on the sofa <laughs> in the evenings and you you did have an exhibition as you said in Cheltenham at the 16 gallery what did it feel like to see your own paintings in, in a in a gallery window oh it was really special yeah yeah um no it was it was a really lovely experience actually I shared the exhibition um with a really great artist, Andy Owen Smith. And um, so we did the exhibition together and we, and we decided because you can, you can kind of hire people in to like man the exhibition, but we wanted to be there every day and we wanted to get the feedback on our work and we wanted to meet people in racing to see what they thought of our work. And yeah, it went down really well. Yeah. It was amazing to see your artwork all up in a really professional environment. Uh, A lot of the time when I give my, paintings to clients I, I say oh I'd love to see a photo of it up but I often never I don't and never do so um it's just really lovely to see it in like a yeah a really smart environment in the window um yeah it was lovely and you were raising money also for the injured jockeys fund yeah yeah I try to um yeah always involve a charity if I can so and so my residency any any work that I um get through my residency in Cheltenham or any sales it's all um a percentage of it is all going to go to well a well child which is the race course charity for the, this this season um also I try and um plant trees for um each painting I do that's another thing that I like to do um so yeah yeah it's important it's important to kind of give back and what do your parents think I mean the young girl who went to work on a farm is now a professional artist yeah, I think they just I don't know, I don't know what they think. They um yeah, they they're very proud of me. Um but yeah, I think they just think oh she just does she, I think they think I'm very capable and that I'll I'll just if I want to do it I'll do it and that's that. <laughs> so yeah, once I get my mind set on something, I think um that's it. I'm doing it. Well, I must say very brave. You know, you really were following your dreams, weren't you? Yeah. And it is scary showing your artwork to people like for the first time, obviously I'm kind of used to it now and you kind of, 
you know what standard your work's at and kind of roughly the responses it's going to get. But yeah, at the beginning, it's very scary putting your artwork out there. Well, a couple of final reminders. I think anyone going to the Cheltenham Festival should look out for Emily. I'm sure they'll find you with your armband. Yes, Uh, look out for me. Mention your website again, emilyjohnsonfineart.co.uk. I'll also put it on the links to the podcast. But more importantly, thank you very much, Emily, for joining me on the, the paddock and the pavilion. Oh, it's been wonderful. It was a pleasure to be asked. Yeah, really nice. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.